And welcome to uh, what I like to call making sense of this world. From nonsense to God sense, my name is Son Edom, and I am happy to be joined, as always, by uh, Dan Delzell, pastor in a uh, church in Nebraska and also an author at the Christian Post. And uh, Dan, it's good to have you back on the program. Hey, it's good to be back with you today, Son. Hey, so um, recently we had some, uh, some news come across uh, over the weekend about Kobe Bryant, Los Angeles Lakers star who uh, perished in a helicopter crash along with his daughter, and then there were uh, several others in the helicopter as well. And it got a lot of people here in Los Angeles and especially around the world, but especially in Los Angeles, you know, thinking about, about life, about the meaning of life. Uh, Kobe was, you know, destined to be a legend while, you know, after his playing career, Hall of Fame, all that stuff. But it seemed like, you know, now with the, the passing, his legendary status is going to increase. And it got me thinking that, you know, if we are looking, life is short. We never know when our time is done. And I like to play a clip real quick uh, as we start, but life is short and we never know when our time has come. It's like, what do we make of life? And then for people that might be thinking about it now, what is the afterlife afterlife like? Mm -hmm. And so let me play this clip real quick quick from Kobe, and then we can kind of use it as the basis for the conversation here today. So this is what Kobe had to say one time in an interview about life. Have a good time. Enjoy life. It's... um Life is too short to, to, to get bogged down, to be discouraged, or um, you have to keep moving. You have to keep going. Put one foot in front of the other, smile, and just keep on rolling, you know, and uh, that's, that's what really is, this camp is about. Life is short. Put one foot in front of the other and keep on going. Have fun. It seems like uh, some pretty good words from a guy that had a successful career on the basketball court, definitely a Hall of Famer, probably one of the all-time greatest basketball players ever. But uh, when, you, when you hear comments like that about life is short and we need to make the most of it and our time is never, we never know when our time is going to come, what kind of goes through your mind when you think about that? Well, I'll tell you, Son, uh, when I heard the news, uh, actually my, uh, one of my uh, daughters called me and asked if I'd heard that, that you know, Kobe Bryant had been killed in a helicopter crash. And, of course, the news was just starting to break on that. And like everyone else, it was just so stunning to hear of this you know, tragic loss and just the terrible um, just crash that uh, that he and his daughter and I believe what maybe a total of nine uh, people maybe yeah, nine. Uh, you know suffered and uh, one of the uh, scripture passages son that has crossed my mind a number of times since that hearing that is the passage in James uh, that says what is your life uh, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And it, it's been really uh, something to see the outpouring uh, of just, um, uh, you know, just heartbreak over, over what has happened to Kobe and his daughter and to the others. Um, it's really been uh, something to see how it has uh, touched so many people. And as you say, I think that it does uh, tend to have people uh, take a step back and, and start to reflect on life, because my goodness, if if somebody who's as well-known and as successful in this world as, as Kobe Bryant was, if something like that could happen to him just so, you know, instantaneously, uh, it, it just kind of jolts a person back into reality that, you know, um, I may not get that 80 or 90 years that I kind of assume that, you know, I'm probably going to have. Um, and, and, and so what, what then? Um, you know, what, what am I going to be doing if I don't have my you know, my, my, my cell phone with me 
and where will I be and what will I be doing? And, and it really does, as you say, I think, Son, raise uh, an awareness, um, some thoughts about, you know, what happens after death. But again, I like that passage in James as just a reminder that, uh, you know, that our life, it, it really is in that, in that sense, it's like a mist. I mean, we're here for a while and then we're gone. As I know we'll talk about today, I mean, that's not the end. Uh, you know, this is just, uh, you know, a little blip on the radar, if you want to put it in terms of eternity. But, um, yeah, this tragic uh, tragic event and the loss of Kobe and, and his teenage daughter and, and, and the other folks, uh, just so uh, so sad to see. And um, I know just all sorts of, of prayers are, are going out for the family. And, and of course, just all sorts of, uh, you know, people thinking of Kobe. And as you said, Son, I think, you know, his legend will uh, tend to rise even more now, um, now that this this has happened. You know, we've talked about it before, but I'm often reminded, too, in situations like this, of a good friend of mine growing up, Chris. He was uh, killed in a car crash at the age of 17, senior year in high school. And back then, the question was always, why? Why does something like this happen? And I remember Lloyd Ogilvy. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Lloyd Ogilvy. He yes, was a, a pastor, and he did the, uh, the eulogy at the time. And he made the comment that made a little bit of sense, was that God set up these parameters in this world, on this earth. And if we go outside those parameters, there's going to be consequences. And so for Chris, it was the parameters of uh, running into the back of a parked semi on the side of the freeway that cost him his life. And then there are other things that came into kind of perspective over the years. It was a rainy night that night that he died, my friend Chris. And I've been up on the, the freeway, the part of the freeway here in L.A. where he passed away. And I've been there at times when it's been, you know, visibility has been low, when it's been rainy, kind of conditions similar to the night he died. And, yeah. um, and you know, I've traveled that path. And I could see now, you know, how if somebody was tired, maybe they dozed off or who knows what happened. But I can see where error could occur that would result in the crash that cost Chris his life. And you look at something like, you know, the helicopter, and they've been talking about issues of maybe weather being involved and things like this. Yeah. And so yeah. the, other, the other component, too, is, you know, sometimes as cruel as it may be, and, 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 and how it's like we want to have these rational or we want to have answers to why. Sometimes there is no answers outside of just the natural laws that are placed on this earth. Well, I tell you, that's interesting you say that, Son, because it reminds me of, of a couple things. Um, a number of months back, uh, I was asked by a friend of mine who's a pastor. Uh, he was out of town, and he, uh, he's a, uh, he's, he, he served as a Marine in Vietnam, and anyway, uh, Norm is, um, oh, Norm's in his 60s now, but anyway, um, he wasn't going to be able to do the, um, the funeral service for a Marine that was being flown back here to Nebraska from California, actually, uh, a, young, a young man uh, who lost his life. But anyway, um, I remember in uh, that funeral service at the funeral home here in Omaha, son, I said a number of times something that I don't really remember saying a whole lot before, but it really was striking me at that time, and it goes right to the point you were, you were making here. And, and um, I made the point in that, in that funeral service that, you know, um, we often hear people say, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I just really felt led to make the point that, you know, I, I don't believe that. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't believe that everything happens for a reason. Uh, I, I think sometimes things happen that are very bad things that don't have some higher uh, purpose behind them in terms of, um, you know, some great plan that's going to be 
uh, a result of that. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean that uh, the Bible is, is not true when it says all things work together for good to them that love God. So even when bad things happen, um, if we trust God and turn to God, a lot of good can come from it. But I think we have to be careful. This is my, my view of it, Son. I think we have to be careful pressing that point that everything happens for a reason. Because actually, there are even some Christians, and, um, you know, and, and there are different uh, terms that we could use of, of uh, you know, these different ways of interpreting Scripture, but there are some very strong Christians, actually, who tend to kind of hold the view that, um, you know, that, that not only is God sovereign, but that everything that happens uh, in this world has been ordained by God. And, and that gets a little tricky when you say ordained, because what, what many Christians like to say, like myself, uh, and, and many will say, well, you know, there, I mean, obviously God has to allow it to happen or it wouldn't have happened. Um, so in that sense, we would say that, you know, God allowed that crash. But personally, I'm uncomfortable. I don't find scriptural support for the idea that, that, you know, every time something like that happens, that, you know, somehow God caused it. Um, well, you know, so, so when I say that, that I don't believe there's always a reason that something happened, um, you know, ultimately, I mean, I suppose you could say, well, you know, there, there is some reason, you know, uh, you know for example, there was a, a tragic accident involving four teenage girls here um, last summer in our area, uh, I believe in June. And um, it turns out uh, there, there, there was spe- uh, they were speeding, and there was alcohol involved. And I believe, yeah, four of them, I think, lost their life, maybe five in the vehicle. Um, and just a horrible, I mean, I kind of thought of it as like a, a, a car accident from hell, because, you know, they, they, they went off the road. I think they may have hit a tree. They crashed. Uh, the car caught on fire, and here four of these five died. You know, uh, Kobe and the others there on that helicopter I believe going about 180 miles an hour there in the fog, you know, hit the side of that hill or that mountain there and, and uh, you know, burst into flames, of course, you know. So uh, this Marine, you know, sent back from California, um, you know, I personally don't look at it as though um, everything happens for a reason. Um, other than to say that ultimately, I mean, God could tell us what factors led to certain things happening. Um, what factors in this world, um, were there, uh, other factors, you know, I mean, basically there, you know, there are angels, obviously. I mean, we, we hear stories of, uh, of maybe things not happening because, um, you know, people will believe that an angel actually showed up. I can give you another example right here locally, son, that happened about two weeks ago. In fact, I just wrote a recent article on, on that that was in the Christian Post last week, and it was about a dramatic rescue here in Bellevue, which is just one community over from us here in the Omaha area, and uh, and there was a photographer, uh, Terry, a photographer, was out uh, taking photos of some eagles on a Saturday a couple weeks ago, and this white car came flying past him, uh, went over some railroad tracks where it lost control, um, they ended up hitting a fire hydrant, flipping over into a, an icy uh, pond. So here's this, this this car upside down in the pond, and Terry happens to be right in the right place at the right time. He rushes into the water. He's uh, he manages to get one of the doors open. He hears one of the passengers say, uh, "Get me out! Uh, it's filling up with water." 
And so Terry proceeded to, um, to bring all three of those individuals out of that car and kind of drug them there to the little shore there, that pond, and, and rescue. They, they all survived. Two of them were 19. So um, Terry said, you know, God puts us in a place for a reason. In fact, I made a point of that in my article. Um, in a situation like that, I tend to look at that and say, well, you know, I believe that, that God intervened, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm much more inclined to, um, you know, want to give the Lord the credit when something like that happens than the blame when it doesn't. And I think, actually, son, I think it's okay to do it that way, because I think that's biblical. Uh, you know, the alternative, as I see it, would be this. Um, no, we're going to give God both the credit and the blame. Okay, so what if a child is abducted? You going to blame God for that? Um, what if um, you have a loved one, you know, who loses his or her life as a first responder or uh, maybe overseas in the military? Is that God's fault? Oh, let's go all the way back. What about when Lucifer had free will? as one of God's top angels, and his heart became proud on account of his beauty. Did God cause that to happen? And this goes back to what I was saying a moment ago, Son. There are some, you know, very strong Christians, actually, I, I, I would not agree with them on this point, who seem to be saying that, that their understanding of God being sovereign is that he doesn't just allow things to happen. He, he pretty much ordains them, which to me sounds like causing them. And I would just caution a person, I guess, against the view that would say God caused it, because if you're going to say that, then you really need to say that about what Lucifer did in the garden and what Adam and Eve did, and you have to stop and ask yourself, would God really cause his creation to disobey his command? I mean, I mean, is, is that really what you think God is like, that he would set things up, and, and give man free will and say, you have all these trees to eat from, but this one's off limits. And then, and then God's going to cause that to happen. Right. Um, God's going to cause Lucifer to uh, rebel. I, so I, I think it, these are very deep things, Son, but um, when I look at something like Kobe and the tragic helicopter crash, I don't believe that God caused that. Um, when I look at this rescue here of, of the three passengers in the icy pond here in Bellevue, I do tend to give God the credit, you know, just like I give God the credit for sending Jesus to rescue us uh, by his death on the cross, even though I know that there are many who don't believe it, and I don't believe that God causes them to not believe it, to die not believing it, you know. So, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of deep, deep things to think about, um, and so... Uh, anyway, son, um, yeah, those are just, I guess, some, some of my thoughts on, on, uh, on these sorts of things. Yeah, it's just interesting because people have put their lives in perspective. Now they're looking at what they're doing with their life because they realize life is short. And, you know, one of the things that we had been doing over the years or this, you know, 2019 was we were doing these uh, interviews and these conversations. And then, you know, about mid-year last year, some things started to pop up in my life that uh, I put a priority. No, I guess I didn't put a priority on, but they just kind of came up that I did. And, and we kind of stopped these things, uh, right. these conversations. And you know, I got to thinking during the, the Christmas holiday, I was talking with my mom and she was asking me, hey, what about these interviews that you're doing with Dan? Uh, how come you don't do them anymore? And I started to reflect back on that. And I was thinking, you know, there was these other things that kept popping up in my life that, um, 
just you know kind of took my time it took my time away it it just you know it just took things away from this and it, this became a uh, I don't want to say not a priority but you'd put it on the back burner and be like you know what, I'm I'm going to do it later put it next week next week next month this that whatever right. and then you start to realize that dude 6 months went by and we haven't done anything and then you go back and you realize maybe this you know impact that you're having on people um, you're now not being able to do because you're not doing these things. Cause I know some people do actually, li- we're actually listening to our conversations and, and benefiting mm-hmm. from it. And, and so as we reflect on things that we do, cause that's what a lot of people are doing right now, kind of reflecting on their lives. I guess we got to mm-hmm. keep in mind that, like you said, first off, life is short. We think, you know, 80, yeah. 90 years, um, we're going to live, but we never know. It could be 17. Like my friend, Chris, it could be 41, like, uh, Kobe, it could be any number of things. Um, right. But we got to make the most of life because, like Kobe said, life is short. And let me play it again for people that just might uh, be list tuning in. We're talking sure. not necessarily about Kobe Bryant and the and what happened to him, although it's kind of a premise for the conversation. Dan Delzell is my guest. He's a pastor at a church in Nebraska. He's also an author at the Christian Post. But here's what Kobe had to say about life being short. Have a good time. Enjoy life. It's um, Life is too short to, to, to get bogged down, to be discouraged or... Um, you have to keep moving. You have to keep going. Put one foot in front of the other, smile, and just keep on rolling. You know, and uh, that's that's what really is, this camp is about. And I think that's kind of an important thing for us to keep in mind and, and keep in focus that life is short and that we do need to make the most of it. And if we are someone that might be faith-based, a Christian or something similar, then, you know, maybe we need to start taking actions to do more of that and to be more helpful to other people or whatever the case may be and put some of the distractions that we have aside and maybe not really uh, worry too much about some of the little things that tend to uh, drag us down because they're not going to matter in the long run. Well, that's right, son. And one of the many amazing things that I find in the Bible as people come to believe in Jesus as their Savior and then begin to just immerse themselves in the Bible is that it really does give a person not just a, a you know a, a real positive outlook for the future. It, it gives a person the truth about where they're going to end up whenever God allows them to leave this earth. Whenever God um, chooses to have their life end. Now, I should I should say this too, uh, and whether it be Kobe Bryant or anyone, son. I do believe, especially for believers, and I don't know exactly even what my thought would be on this for an unbeliever, but I do believe that for believers, that that nothing gets to us on unless it first has gone through the hand of God. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, God is God is uh, allowing certain things. Um, to happen or other things not to happen. Now, somebody might say, well, wait a minute, I, I, Dan, I thought you just said that, that you know, God doesn't do that. Well, again, if you listen and think through this a little bit, um, what, what I think we, we could say is that by God allowing certain things to happen to us, including even the, the time when, when we're going to leave this world, um, that is, that is the hand of God overseeing the big picture items in our life. Now, I, I don't know that, um, you know, that, that God is really um, too involved in whether we get this or that, you know, parking space, or uh, whether or not we choose to eat this meal or that meal, you know, for, for dinner or whatever. Or, um, or does yeah. God care who wins the Super Bowl coming up? Right, exactly, son, exactly. 
but, but when we get into matters of the soul, when we get into matters of faith, okay, um, because, you know, the Bible makes it very clear, Son, that without faith it is impossible to please God. But then as you read the Bible, what you come to see is this. It's not just a generic faith in the sense, well, okay, great, I believe there's a God, or, you know, I believe that, you know, God does, you know, oversee a lot of these things, or I do believe God, you know, watches out for me. Okay, that's all, you know, well and good. But but when we just do a basic study of, of the Bible, and especially the New Testament, what we come to see is that is that God has loaded this thing so heavy um, on the front end of our relationship with Him. In other words, when we receive Christ as our Savior, when we repent of our sin and trust that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, the Bible uses terms like justified, forgiven, saved, redeemed, born again, on the front end. And then the Bible makes it very clear that now you're going to have some challenges um, in fact, you know, and many Christians have many challenges. Many Christians face intense persecution, even, for their faith. Um, and, and yet, on the front end, God loads it up. He says, um, if you will receive my Son as your Savior, um, you will become uh, one of my children that will live with me forever in heaven. You know, as it says in John 1, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And as Oswald Chambers says, son, he wrote, uh, the reason it is so easy for us to obtain salvation is because it costs God so much. Now, I read that um, uh, perhaps Colby uh, had, had uh, uh, gone to a, a Catholic uh, mass or, or church service you know, prior to the crash, and I know that'll get people thinking about just their own life, you know, well, maybe I haven't been in church in a while. Um, maybe I need to, you know, go back to church. Uh, we, we certainly see in our society today, um, you know, those numbers obviously, uh, you know, are down what, what they used to be uh, in, in our country. But um, going to church has many, many benefits. If that church is, is just grace-filled with people who love the Lord and will love you and accept one another and not, not judge one another. There are plenty of churches where that does happen. So even if maybe you who are listening right now happen to be somebody who has been judged by a professing Christian, has had a bad experience, even made, let's say, with a church or professing Christian. Um, well, I would equate that to somebody who's had a bad experience in a marriage. You know, there are many, many good marriages, and there are many marriages that have gone you know, in, in a direction that hasn't been uh, helpful or, or wholesome or joyful. So, uh, you know, uh, but going to church by itself um, won't save your soul. Um, the first thing, I'll go back to what I said before, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You really do receive the gift of eternal life through faith alone. This could not be more clear in the New Testament. Now, I know the skeptic right away jumps in, and says, well, yeah, okay, that sounds like, you know, what a deal. You can just say you believe in Jesus and then live like however you want to and go to heaven, right? And we say, well, wait a minute. That's not at all what the Bible says, you know? If you repent of your sin and receive Jesus, you won't have that attitude, and you won't go off on that path. And if you do, then I would say, well, then you may be a professing Christian. You may profess to be a, a Christian, 
But if you have no interest in living your life, no commitment to living your life for the one who died for you, then then as far as that gets is professing. Then you're not really born again on the inside yet. The Holy Spirit's not yet really living in you. One of the signs that you are saved, redeemed, justified, born again, and forgiven is that not only do you know your salvation is in the cross, it's in the blood that Jesus shed, not in your works, not in your church attendance, but you know that. But another sign that you're saved is that you sincerely desire to live for Christ, and, and you're not looking at it like, oh, great, you know, I get heaven, but I can live like hell on earth. It doesn't work that way. You know, the Bible addresses that with verses like, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked, a man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So it would be, you know, the difference between a marriage that is um, sincere, and, and the husband and wife are loving one another, and they're not, you know, um, just pretending or, or, you know, doing, you know, something on the side and having somebody else, but not, you know, that that would be the equivalent of like, well, I'm a Christian, but, you know, in my heart, I'm not really not really committed to it, you know? So, so then, then obviously, uh, the Bible addresses that and says, um, you know, wake up, O sleeper, arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. You know? So, um, so yeah, son, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, things in the Bible that, that will then encourage us because this life is short. Our life is like a mist. Um, you know, though, this tragedy with Kobe and his daughter and the others, it, it just, I think, causes all of us to take a step back. And in addition to praying for these families uh, that have lost their loved ones, um, evaluating, where am I at? You know, if I were to die today, how would it be with my soul? And I tell you, you know, everyone listening to this, son, would be so wise to ask that question. You know, uh, the Bible puts it this way. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? So how would I fail the test? Well, um, for example, if I say, well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm planning to go to heaven because of what I do, and my, my, uh, my good works. Well, that would fail the test. That, that's not an evidence of faith. Or if I say, well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm planning to go to heaven, but, um, you know, God forgives me. He doesn't care how I live. I mean, I know I'm not really living for him, but uh, I've got my fire insurance, you know. I'm on my way to heaven. And meanwhile, I'm going to, you know, live for the world and live for my own fleshly desires. I, then the Bible says, no, that fails to test. That's not, that's not what Christianity is. Um, now, the person says, well, you know, I love the Lord, and I believe he died for me, but man, I just, I still am imperfect, and I don't, I don't always do the right thing. And what about me? God says, don't worry. That's why the blood of Jesus was shed. You know, just keep aiming at what the Lord wants for your life. You know, and, and, and so this is where, where the Holy Spirit comes in to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. If I'm sorry over my sin, and maybe I'm feeling terrible about it, and, and I want to be forgiven, and I want to live for Jesus, and maybe I'm even afraid, maybe I'm not going to go to heaven, God comes in to comfort that individual. They say, wait a minute, time out. You know, do you, believe in, do you believe in my son? Do you believe, are you trusting in his death for your sin? If so, then don't worry. Okay, don't worry. Are you, are you trying to live for me? Are you sorry for, you know, the sins you committed? Yes, Lord, I, then don't worry. But for the person who's, you know, just playing a game with God, you know, who, who's just pretending, and this is where, where the Bible uses the word hypocrite, which, by the way, son, that word is never used in the New Testament for a believer, a genuine believer, never. It's only used for those who are pretending to be religious, but who don't really have a connection with, with God, you know, through faith in Christ. 
Um, sometimes I hear people say, well, we're all hypocrites. Well, that's not, not true biblically. Um, now, sometimes we, 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 we mess up and, and we maybe behave in a hypocritical way in this situation or maybe in a way that, you know, we, we're not proud of. But to be a hypocrite is to be, pretend to be something you're not, okay? And, and so believers are not hypocrites, but we are sinners, son. We are, we are imperfect. We, we do need, you know, the gospel isn't just for unbelievers. It's for believers, too. We need that just as much as unbelievers. And, and I, the last thing I'll say, son, on that is this. You know, how do you know you're growing in your faith? Well, one way is this. If you can honestly say that, you know what, when I look out at other people, whether they're in my neighborhood, my church, whatever, when I look out at other people and I can honestly say that my sin is just as great as theirs, when you can say that, son, honestly, okay, that's a good sign that you're growing and you're starting to understand some things in the Bible, because that is the reality. And, and, and anybody who maybe is living in a judgmental way, looking down on somebody else, maybe criticizing them, and I know a lot of people have been turned off, and rightly so, by that kind of approach, anybody who's doing that, all they're really doing is saying, you know what, I may not even be saved, and if I am, I'm at most a baby Christian. And I'm and I'm and the reason you know that is because I'm criticizing others, and I'm putting them down, and I'm judging them. So I may not even be saved myself, even though I, I talk this this big talk, okay. But I may not even be saved, okay. But I just want you to think that I'm this holy person. So so uh, we have to be careful how we view other people, and and not somehow think that oh well they're the sinners, you know. But not me, you know. I'm I'm this holy man or this holy woman. Dan Delzell with me talking about uh, life. Life is short, talking about uh, Kobe Bryant and the passing of the NBA legend. At this time, uh, these times, it's always uh, a thought that has come up. How do we deal with people that have suffered the loss of someone? When I think back to my friend Chris, um, you know, I guess the best advice someone said after the fact, which you know I could have known then, was just to be there for them. Yes. Because if you disappear too, because Chris was my friend, so I'd hang out at their house and their his parents were like second parents to me. But then, you know, I started to kind of not show up because, you know, what do you do? And so someone suggested to me one time, you know, many years later that by me not even being there, it's like a, almost losing more than just their son because their friends stopped yeah. coming by and things like that. And yeah. so there's a lot of yeah. thought that goes into then how do we handle people? Because I know the first yeah. thing initially people want to say is thoughts, prayers, vibes coming your way. And uh, right. to be honest, right. I, you know, I don't know what thoughts and vibes do, but uh, no, you know, right. but uh, right. but so how do we go about handling you know, not just in this instance with the the crash with Kobe and those uh, people yeah, in the helicopter, yeah. but just in general, how do we deal with how, yeah. how what's a good way to go about approaching yeah. somebody that has suffered loss to just yeah. let them know without being you know stupid about it? Yeah, absolutely, Son. Uh, I, I read a, a quote recently, and I think it was from Rick Warren. It might have been from his wife Kay. They, of course, you know, had had the loss of a child, um, as did another, you know. Uh, very well-known pastor out there in California, you know, Greg Laurie with his son. Um, you know, there's, you know, sometimes those uh, Christians that God is using in, in maybe the greatest ways um, are going through some of the greatest examples of, of, of suffering and the greatest loss. And it might have been Rick Warren, but this quote that I saw recently was, um, you know, basically the deeper the pain that a person's been through, the fewer the words that are needed. And, and really, you know, really, and maybe the quote even said this, it's not only fewer the words that are needed, the fewer words that are needed, but it's, it's even uh, fewer the words that will even be beneficial. Um, 
you know, our presence, you know, is, is all really a person could probably handle. And some people, as they grieve, you know, may be ready for that sooner or later or not at all, maybe, or, or a whole lot. But, but I think we make a mistake if we try to address that deep pain with words um, anytime soon in our, in our um, care for them. And I mean, I, I'm not saying, you know, carry that to an extreme, like, well, you mean I shouldn't even tell them I'm praying for them? I'm, I'm just saying we have to be careful trying to come up with an answer. This goes back to my point earlier, Son, about, you know, people who want to jump in, well, you know, there must be a reason why, you know, there's a reason why everything happens. And I'll say what I did earlier, Son, I don't believe that. I don't believe there's a reason. No, I believe God can take anything that happens and work it for our good and for the good of others. But I don't believe there's a reason why everything happens. You know, Toby Mack just lost recently, you know, his son, too. I mean, why is it some of these Christians who've used to reach just, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of people, you know, um, and then we see their loss. And so it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's Kobe Bryant and his family, but it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of people, well-known people, and, and, and far more who aren't well-known. But to go to your question, Son, I, I just think that we have to be very slow to try to use words. And just to, you know, to, to, to be there with someone, maybe offering silent prayer, um, and then being very, very careful what, what we might say, and very careful about any quote-unquote, you know, advice now that we have for this person whose pain is, is probably far deeper than we can even fathom. And the last thing they need is some, you know, Christian cliche from us, but deep down, even if maybe they are dealing with maybe anger at God or whatever their feelings are, deep down they're going to need to know at some point that God is there for them in the midst of their pain. And so by us just being there for them or letting them know, you know, hey, if there is anything I can do, but mainly just being there, you know, uh, with a loving shoulder, uh, you know, um, but not trying to come up with an answer. And the, Not uh, trying to solve the unsolvable. Only God would be able to explain to us why he allowed, you know, this accident to happen, or that accident to happen, or this death to happen at this time, or this family to lose this loved one. We, that is so far above our pay grade, you know, but, but God does call us to, to comfort one another and to be with one another and, and to try to empathize. Uh, and and the, the deeper that we love Jesus in our hearts, the more, you know, that that, they're going to feel that love. And, and, and most of the time they're going to hear that love by what we don't say. Um, sometimes what we do say, you know, maybe, you know, it, it reveals maybe that our, our depth of, of love and concern isn't as deep as we thought it was because somehow we think we have an answer. that's going to, going to, you know, mean something. And, and at some point we might, you know, but it may not be for months or years, and, and maybe it's going to take weeks or months of just being there by their side, listening or just being present, um, or not if they just need that break. So, so yeah, uh, going and, and all of this, seeking to have the Holy Spirit lead us. You know, Lord, how can I be a comfort to my to my family member, my friend, or my coworker who has this deep loss? Lord, how can I do that? And and not not trying to. Say, well, there must be a reason why it happened. And don't um, use the uh, stupidest of cliches. 
God can't doesn't give you more than you can handle. Yes, yes. Because uh, I've heard yeah, I've heard yeah, people oh use goodness. stuff like yes, that, yes. and you're just like, "What are yeah, you yeah, thinking?" Right. Yeah, you know, it, it's like it, it just kind of sugarcoats it. Yeah, you know, and and it, it, it just really what that kind of reveals, son, is that that individual who's saying that, I think maybe nine times out of ten, um, they're just not really in touch at all with the depth of pain this person is in, or if they are in touch with it, they're not really in touch at all with what could be said or shouldn't be said if you really want to just try to bring some comfort to this situation. So, yeah, that, that's, that's a good point, Son. But, again, we, we have this, and, and I mean, I'm as guilty as, as anybody, but we have this, this, this thing like, well, I, 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 we're going to fix it, you know? Here's a Bible verse, we're going to fix it. You know, well, um, when you lose a loved one in your family, um, it's not going to just be some easy fix. That, that you're going to carry that pain all of your life. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be comfort and there won't be, you know, God's love and, and through other people as well. But my goodness, I mean, you know, it would be like if a if a surgeon came into an operating room where somebody just was brought in son after a terrible car accident, they got all these issues going on. And, oh, well, here, here's a box of Band-Aids. Let's, you know, let, let's just kind of, you know, use... No. Um, when the pain is, is deeper than a person could ever hardly experience, um, there won't be a Band-Aid. And we don't need to try to, you know, pretend like, you know, a Bible verse here is going to be that Band-Aid. But I will say, as a person grieves and as a person um, deals with all the feelings that they go through, whether it be, you know, anger, you know, um, sorrow, everything. Uh, ultimately, you know, as individuals who have been hurt, turn to Scripture and Scripture meditation and, and to the Lord. I mean, this ultimately, for all people, is where the answer is to be found, in the, in the, in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That um, doesn't mean there's going to be a cliché answer to it. Or, or some little thing, oh, now I'm, okay, I'm fine now. You know, thank you for sharing that. I didn't realize that. Um, you know, but, but just that daily presence of God with us, um, but even with that, Son, you can't ask somebody or expect that somebody is not going to carry the heartache, you know, this side of heaven with them their whole life. I mean, that's what deep love is. I mean, you know, you don't, you don't stop loving your, your, the one you lost. Um, and, and, and to suggest that somehow you're going to maybe be able to stop feeling pain over that, I mean, that really sounds cruel to me. Now, are there some people maybe who just do get to that point where they don't feel much pain over it, and, and they say, God, help me with that. Well, great, then praise the Lord for that. But, but you know, this other person here, may not, it may not go that way with them. They, 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 they may feel a depth of pain every day for the rest of their life that, that, that they turn to God on, and actually it, it's helping them with God, but it doesn't mean the pain is stopped, you know? So th these aren't things that just have some, you know, easy answer. That, well, everybody's going to do it this way. This is how I did it, you know? So, um, yeah, I think that's the, know, we just, I think that's yeah. the thing is that, um, you know, I like to look at it as for me, when Chris died, you know, I don't have the daily pain, but I've got the scars. I've got the scabs, you know, I've got the wounds yeah. that are still there because there's a whole life yeah. that has gone missing. And I know yeah. for his parents, for example, every day there's that deep wound that they still feel the pain. And yeah. so, um, and the other thing too that I'm reminded of was a conversation one time with a coworker 
was a coworker. Her husband passed away, and it had been a period of time, I want to say maybe a year or two, and she started to lose friends because her friend group were like, lady, you got to get over this loss. You know, you got to start feeling better. You can't be moping around. You can't be sad. You know, you got to start getting better. And I was thinking, man, how insensitive because who are we to tell somebody how to grieve, how long to grieve, That's right. what the grieving That's process right. is. And especially if we haven't been in those shoes before, um, That's right. you know, we don't know. And I had a conversation with another gal and she was, we were sharing these things and she didn't have, fortunately for her, she had no loss over people. Um, you know, there was, there was one gal that, that had died tragically at a church out here a few years ago and her sister and her uh, child uh, daughter was friends with the with the girl that died and that was the closest thing she kind of came to experiencing death but no other family members or things like that and she was honest in saying that for her it's hard for her to really understand what people go through because she hasn't gone through it and so for her to sit there and tell other people how to grieve how long to grieve what you should be doing this and that she thought was ridiculous because you just don't know how people are going to respond and different people are going to respond different ways. You know, um, I remember when my aunt passed away, uh, she had cancer about a year and oh, two years ago. In fact, now that we're moving into a February and initially for me, it wasn't the immediate like, uh, Oh, she's died. It took me like uh, a few weeks, months because I didn't see her on a daily basis. But every once in a while, like when baseball season came up, we would be constantly contacting about baseball and stuff. And those were the type of times when it hit me, was those times where, oh, my aunt would be calling me right about now talking about this or talking about that yeah. or, sh- or sharing yeah. this. Whereas for my cousins, her daughters, you know, it was, a daily, it was an immediate impact. Oh, my goodness. Yes, son. And, you know, I'm thinking of several things as you're sharing that. And, you know, one of them is we can't forget that, that the Holy Spirit often does the deepest work in us when we are feeling the deepest pain, even if the event maybe isn't, uh, you, know, you know, terribly recent. Um, and, and so for us to want to try to rush people out of that, or, or like, like you said with that example of maybe that w- women's group where uh, they're like, well, you know, you need to stop moping around, okay? I think of like three different examples, Son, of things that I think are like very insensitive, even cruel, okay? One would be, you know, there are some religious folks in certain religious circles who've been taught that if you have enough faith, then, you know, you don't have to have that cancer or that illness. And so, you know, there's some people who have no clue who've literally just said that, you know, to, to certain people who are suffering, like, well, you know, if your faith was strong, you wouldn't have that. So, I mean, that, that's just off the charts in terms of how clueless that is. But, but then, um, to use the, your example, like, okay, if somebody has lost a loved one, you know, to somehow suggest to them that, well, it's time to, you know, move on or whatever, the epitome of cruelty there. I mean, no sensitivity, no love for that person. How can there be love for that person when you're more concerned about how you feel or what they're, I mean, it's like, get over it. Um, if they're still in pain, let them, let them be there. And, and, and on a much lighter scale side in marriage, for example, it's not healthy for a husband or wife to say to their spouse, you know, honey, you shouldn't feel that way. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, you could probably come up with some examples where maybe that might be, um, okay to suggest, but I would say 99 times out of a hundred, that's going to be a real, communication killer, a real relationship killer. Um, sometimes people haven't thought what they're saying. It's like, you shouldn't feel that way. And, 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 what, and what that person needs to be told is, wait a minute, we can't control our feelings. We can't control what we do. And, and, and sometimes our actions lead to good feelings, and sometimes our actions, even though they're right, they, they don't seem to be producing the feelings I wanted. And if I'm going to be honest enough to share with you my feeling, 
please don't turn around and say, oh, oh, you shouldn't steal that way. It's like, okay, why don't you just stop talking? Why don't you just sit the next few rounds out on this one? Because you're not helping, okay? Um, so, you know, this is one thing, and, and, you know, Tammy and I have been married now. We just celebrated our 29th anniversary. But one of the things that we said early on um, was, you know, feelings are not wrong. So, you know, we, we you want to hear the other person's feelings, even if maybe maybe they're upset with you. Okay, well, then you need to accept those feelings, or maybe there's something else going on, or whatever it might be. But um, all of those are examples, Son, where we're so quick to try to, you know, tell somebody else that what they're feeling isn't right. We're not really showing an ounce of love for them. We're not we're not beginning to understand what they're going through, and we may never understand what they're going through. But then the least we can do is shut our mouth and just listen, which that can be hard for us sometimes. We need to learn spiritual maturity and emotional maturity calls for us to silence the lips and just listen, just be there, and don't think you have to have an answer for what they're feeling. You know, one of the things that we've been talking about is the uh, shortness of life, so to speak, and how our time here on Earth is limited in scope of all eternity and how, Mm -hmm. you know, we like to think, oh, this is only it for us. You know, a lot of people think that this might be the only thing we have going for us is what is here on Earth, which is actually kind of sad. But there is, in reality, whether people believe or not, there is going to be an afterlife. And that afterlife yeah. is really going to consist of two, two options. Yeah. Uh, glory with, with Jesus or eternity right. in damnation. And right. without getting too involved in the uh, fire and brimstone aspect of it, yeah. Yeah. what can someone do to make sure that they know that heaven is their destination? What can they yeah, do to um, secure uh, eternity yeah. in, in, in a paradise? Well, thank you for that beautiful question, Son. And, and as you say, the Bible makes it very clear there are only two uh, eternal destinations, and both of them are extreme eternal destinations, um, extreme beyond anything we can currently fathom. Um, you know, Jesus was speaking to his disciples uh, about, about heaven, and um, in, in some very familiar words there in, in, in the Gospel of John, uh, you may remember uh, where the Lord uh, referred to heaven as a place. Um, you know, a lot of people don't don't stop and think of heaven as a place. And I, and I tell you, Son, it's not um, just, you know, like uh, white with clouds and nothing to do. You know, it, it, it's, it's, there'll be so much color, so much variety. I mean, we, we, it, our minds will be blown away. But um, the Lord told us, disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And then a few verses later, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So here's the deal, Son. Um, Yes, there is heaven, and there is hell. And God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And God did not ordain that anyone go to hell. God did not predestine that anyone go to hell. God did not set it up so that, you know, certain ones would go to hell. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. And while there are some Bible verses that say that Jesus died for the sheep, meaning believers, and there are some Bible verses that say Jesus died for the sheep and for the world, meaning those who don't yet believe, um, there is not one Bible verse that says Jesus died only for the sheep. In other words, he died for all. He died for all. So, if you're listening to this today, and Saul's question there, 
uh, pick your interest. Yeah, hey, I, I kind of like to know. Here's how you can know, my friend. Um, when Jesus went to the cross and died, um, he, in essence, walked down the aisle, and he said, I do. And so he's standing there right now, right, right where you're at. And if you would like to have an eternal relationship with your Creator that would begin right now and would go all through life with no guarantees that, you know, you're not going to have, you know, painful things happen or, or you know, uh, anything difficult, but you will be guaranteed to go to that place when you die. And, and we hope it won't be tragically the way that Kobe experienced it in a tragic accident. But we don't know for any of us how that might happen, do we? You know, But you can be sure that if you will say, I do, to Jesus today, um, I do surrender my life to you, Lord. I, I do commit my life to you. I mean, here we're at the altar, Lord. It's not, not marriage like man and wife, but it, it, it's that kind of commitment, you know, and I do. I, I receive you as my Savior. I trust you, and I receive your free gift of eternal life. And by saying, I do, Lord, um, your word says that I'm instantly, instantaneously forgiven, saved, redeemed, born again, justified, and it's like a ring goes on my finger in that sense. The Bible talks about it as like a white robe over your soul, and you are saved. And now the journey of the Christian life will begin, and there will be, you know, ups and downs, and you'll have some days where you're, you know, better at it than others, um, more successful than others. But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, and even when you mess up, it won't put a spot on your white robe, because the whiteness of that robe is not your righteousness, my friend, it's the righteousness of Christ, His perfection. His death. And that's going to motivate you. Let me tell you, that's going to motivate you to want to do everything you can to please Him. And, and, and so when you're born again, that'll happen. But, but you need to be born again, Jesus said that. You need to be saved. You need to be forgiven. You need to be justified. Well, I go to church, okay? Am I saved? Well, I don't know. You tell me. Um, are you trusting in Christ alone as your Savior? And if you're not sure, then today, just, just, just say, Jesus, I do. I do receive you as my Savior right now in this moment. I do receive you, Lord. I do repent of my sin, Lord. I, I, I am sorry for my sin, Lord. I do want to live for you. I do want to, to be with you now, Lord, as one of your followers, like, like those guys I see and those, those men and women in the New Testament. I want to be like one of them, Lord. And so I, I come to you now today, Lord. Or actually, you came to me, you know. And so here I am, Lord. I, I don't have to go very far. You're right here. Somehow I find myself at the altar here with my soul today. I find myself right here with you, Lord, listening to this podcast. I've been listening to Son. I've been listening to Dan. But, Lord, you've been speaking to me. And so right now, Lord, I receive you as my Savior. And, my friend, if, you, if you've done that, if you'll do that today, you can be sure that heaven is your eternal home. And, and there'll be a lot of resources that then can help you as you get started in the Christian life. Um, read the Bible every day, get connected to a, a, a Bible-based church where God's uh, message is being shared and God's grace is being shared. And there are plenty of them, you know, out there in, in California, where, where Son's at, and, and all over the place. And if you need help with that, let us know. And we'd love to help you get connected, because that's going to be important. It's going to be important to be part of a church family, because that's going to help you in your growth, and, and it's going to help you when you struggle, or it's, you're, you're going to help somebody else when they're struggling. It's not just about you now. 
It's about them. You know, um, the church is the bride of Christ. So, you know, to use this analogy I'm talking about, it's not really just Jesus and you, but it's like there's a bunch of people there that he, he you know, are saying, I do to him. And so now it's not just Jesus and me, it's Jesus and his, his believers, okay? So, um, yeah, it's very exciting to be a part of, um, and Son and I are thrilled to be able to, you know, just present that to you today and, and invite you to trust Christ as your Savior. You'll never find a better friend, and you won't find any other way, not only to be guaranteed you're going to heaven, but to actually go there when you die. And God wants you there. We would love to spend eternity with you there. And so please let us know if uh, maybe this has piqued some uh, questions or curiosity, if we can maybe answer anything else uh, from this. So um, there it is, Son. I think that, that kind of nails what, what, yep. you know, what we were trying to do today, I think. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And um, like the song says, what a friend we have in Jesus. Mm. Um, if someone wants to reach out for me or to wants to reach out, I know they can get a hold of me. I'm, I'm on Instagram, at Edom Rocks. You can uh, direct message me there. If email is more your thing. Son Edom at gmail.com. Um, any place then do you want to give out? Uh, just Christian. I know oh, you're, sure, you're at the Christian Actually, Post. If but... anybody would like to shoot me an email, it's just Dan Delzell, D A N D E L Z E L L, at Cox, C O X dot net. Dan Delzell at Cox dot net. And um, that'll come straight to me, and uh, I'll be the only one that'll see it. You know, it won't, won't be anybody else. So if it's something, you know, if you have like a personal thought or question or something, uh, and I'd be happy to respond uh, to you. So feel free to, uh, to do that, either to Son or to myself. Yeah, not to uh, dump it all on you, but I think you might be a little bit more of an of a expert in some of the areas that people might need to uh, talk to somebody. Um, so maybe, maybe reach out to Dan. And then, again, I'm here too, but I know Dan's a great resource. And uh, part of the reason why I've wanted to include him on these conversations is because over the years we've we've talked and I think what Dan really has to share with people is really impactful and I think people will really benefit from what you have to share Dan and so I appreciate you taking the time to come on and join us on these conversations and I look forward to many more to come. Oh absolutely well, it's really my my uh, privilege and pleasure and thank you for those kind words and I certainly feel the same about you and I'm excited that you know, that you've got this podcast on that is reaching others with the truth. And so, yeah, these have been wonderful to do with you. I look forward to us doing a lot more of these. And it's just been great again today. And what an important topic as we now just remember, you know, Kobe and his family and, and all of those families that are suffering in our thoughts and prayers. And, and we try to go forward to, to help anybody we can here now uh, in the days ahead. And if anybody has any topics they'd like to be uh, have discussed, you can also reach out and let us know, too, because uh, maybe there's something you want you know, some input on or something like that. So uh, again, Dan, thanks so much. Uh, we appreciate it. We look forward to the next time that we do this. And for everybody else, uh, thank you so much for listening. You have a great one and we'll talk to you next time.